This is Fuel for Warriors, episode 26. Somebody who gets shit done. It's all down to hustle. A sacrifice of their being and way of life. We think of 300, we think of the Spartan. Sort of the courage and conviction to face their challenges in life. It always does the right thing at all costs. Midfielder for the Washington Spirit, Joanna Lohman. Not necessarily asking what a team can do for you, but what can you do for a team? What's going on, everybody? I'm Timothy Lawson, and you're listening to another episode of Fuel for Warriors. Today is Friday. I'm just so excited to bring to you today's episode and to head into the weekend with another dose of inspiration and motivation and entertainment and everything else that we bring to you here on Fuel for Warriors. This week's guest is the midfielder for the Washington Spirit here in Washington, D.C. Uh, for those of you that are unfamiliar, that is our local professional women's soccer team. And their one of their midfielders, Joanna Lohman, has been nice enough to come onto the show and talk about a slew of topics. We talk about Imagination Tuesday, we talk about being in professional sports, we talk about being a woman in professional sports, we talk about the challenges of life, we talk about uh, the evolution of gay rights, we talk about inspiring others, and so, so much more. So I'm going to let Carl Churchill, the founder of Lock and Load Java, say a few things. He's got an offer for you for when you go to LockandLoadJava.com and cop yourself some of his coffee, and then we'll get into my interview with Joanna. When you're finished with the interview, be sure to go let Joanna know. She is at Joanna Lohman, L-O-H-M-A-N is Lohman, and let her know that you thoroughly enjoyed her interview on Fuel for Warriors, so hopefully one day she'll come back and talk to us. Enjoy. Hey, Warriors, this is Carl Churchill, co-founder and chief coffee officer of Lock and Load Java. Thanks for taking the time to listen to our friend and fellow veteran Tim Lawson as he interviews risk-takers who've embraced the warrior ethos. I know you'll love our guest today, and when you're finished with the episode, head over to LockAndLoadJava.com and use the coupon code FUELFORWARRIORS to receive a 10% discount on our premium coffee and cocoa. Stay motivated, my friends, and keep challenging yourself. All right, Warriors, I am just so excited uh, about this week's guest. I have star midfielder for the Washington Spirit, Joanna Lohman. Ma'am, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, Tim, it's my pleasure. I'm so happy to be here. As I noted before I hit record, uh, this is the most interaction I've had with a guest before an interview, interview in my three-plus years of podcasting. So thank you for not only taking the time to talk to me, but being so enthusiastic about it as well. Well, when you asked to do the interview, I was super excited, and I feel like we share a lot in common, so why not share it via social media and, the, and Twitter? Yeah, absolutely. And just in the, in the few weeks we've had since the request of the interview till now and some of the research that I've been doing, I'm, I am realizing you and I have a substantial th- amount of things in common that I never would have guessed uh, if I hadn't done that sort of research. Yeah, I think we both did uh, some TEDx talks. I did mine up in Boston. Uh, I think it was 
two Aprils ago and uh, right. seemed to share the passion for activity, exercise, um, getting yeah. out in the community and obstacle courses, um, all that kind of stuff. And Fitbits, dancing, who else? Fitbits, dancing. Man, we have, <laughs> oh, there's so much to cover, Joanna. There's so much. So to much. Cover. So we have to start every episode, though, with talking about what it means to be a warrior, because that is the commonality that all the guests have is somewhere they resonate with that term. So when you hear the word warrior, what, what does that mean to you, to be a warrior? I think for me as a professional athlete, it means coming every single day and giving your best and not necessarily asking what a team can do for you, but what can you do for a team? And that's, that's the mentality I've taken this past season with the Washington Spirit is, you know, throughout the season, everyone would ask, you know, what are your goals this season? And I said, it's to show up every single day and be at my best that day. Some days you're going to feel great. Some days you're going to feel uh, not so great. But in terms of attitude, professionalism, um, investment, uh, emotion, just, just giving yourself over to that experience, and truly um, believing and trusting in that organization and, and giving everything you have in that, in that exact moment. That's what I tried to do each and every practice this year, each and every game. And to be quite honest, it was probably one of the best seasons of my career. And I think it was because of that, uh, the mentality that I approached the season, where I just wanted to give every single ounce of myself to that team. I don't care if it was what drill we were doing on any given day. I don't you know, in the games with the fans. I just truly wanted to just hand myself over to the entire experience. Absolutely. I don't, I don't think many people could name their local professional women's soccer team in their area. I feel like as, much, as, as high profile as women's soccer has gotten through the women's national team, I think the... Uh, the club level is still it still eludes people when it comes to being a fan of sports. Even with my even knowing that the Washington Spirit have uh, that exists in the area and and tracking sort of what happens throughout the season, I'm yet to even make it out to a game. I shamefully say I really I hope next season to get the opportunity. Uh, but how how what's the right way to start this? Growing up, at what point did you realize that professional soccer was an option? Because I think a lot of young athletes in many sports, can, they can see it on TV that their sport is an option. That wasn't the case when we were growing up. I think you only have a few more years on, on me, so I think we grew up sort of in the same era. When in your life did you realize this is actually an option, and that's absolutely what I'm going to do. Yeah, it's funny you say that because I felt like even from a very young age, although uh, professional women's soccer wasn't in existence, I knew that's what I wanted to do. And I think it was in relation to the women's national team. When I was uh, in my club soccer days, maybe around 13 or 14 years old, I went to the White House um, to meet the women's national team, and I knew from the second that I saw those women that that's who I wanted to be when I grew up. And it was interesting because the season I returned to the White House, it did something similar to what the women's national team did. And I spoke in front of, in front of a lot of girls who are, are playing and who are in my shoes. And I said, you know, I'm actually standing here telling you my dreams have come true. Um, I, I stood in the same spot they were many years before saying I wanted to be a professional soccer player. And here I am today standing in front of you 
being that person. And I think this was the first season where I've kind of looked back and reflected and I've been able to appreciate what I've been able to accomplish in terms of getting to where my dreams set off to become. And I think my parents too, even though, you know, I didn't exist to be a women's professional soccer player, they never deterred me from that goal. I think they believed, like I believe now, that if you, if you put yourself um, in a position to reach any dream or any goal that you have and you work extremely hard at it, you talk about warrior and work ethic, if you put in the time and the effort, even if you don't get to where you may want to be, you're going to get somewhere amazing because you're going to understand what it takes to work hard and what it is to invest in, in the process of, of becoming something. And ever from a young age, I just, I just love the idea of practicing it, getting better as a person and a player. And I never lost that drive or that motivation. And even through two failed leagues, I never gave up on that dream. I would just go overseas. I would find a different environment where I could um, put forth my same skills and um, still just keep keep grinding because I knew that's exactly what I wanted to do and I, nothing really would set me back. Well, I, I can't... It's it's hard, I think, to fathom the idea that the, like what you wanted to do, society hadn't brought that as an option yet. Like the Women's Professional Soccer League was founded in like 2007. You know, like the, and I don't even know was there, was there a, a national uh, professional league before then? I played when I was um, in my youth. I played in the youth national teams. So you would um, go at like U sixteen, U eighteen, U twenty one, U twenty three. So you would still like that dream would still be nurtured, so to say. You would still have that ultimate goal of making the national team. It was you know the percentage of that happening is is very slim. And then my last year of college. I actually took off my, the second semester of my senior year to enter into the draft of the original WUSA, and that was a league that launched after the 99 World Cup. And I found out uh, while walking through um, the, the campus quad that that league had folded. So it had been around for three years, and the year that I was coming out of college and was going into the draft, it had actually folded. So then again, it's like, all right, plan B. Um, how am I going to keep this dream alive but just in a, in a different variety and um, that's when I explored going overseas, and it was many years before the next league, the WPS, came back, and I actually could play as a professional in the United States. Yeah. So, so I mean, so you, you, know, you play professional soccer, and what makes women's soccer different on a professional level than many other professional sports is the the salary that comes with it. I know many, I, I just learned this recently in the past couple of years, that a lot of players have to live locally housed by like housed by locals and you know so you say like what is plan b when you can't play soccer i mean what is plan b when when you're not in season cuz you know clearly you have a quality of life that you need to be able to maintain while still pursuing your dream of playing soccer so how do you continue to stay on top of soccer while i mean are you doing anything else like i i see that you know the um your Twitter profile says that you coach and stuff like that. I mean, what are you doing when you're not on the pitch? To be a women's professional soccer player at the club level, you have to be quite resourceful. So I've built um, a great community around here in Washington, D.C. And any team I played for, I uh, do personal personal training with a lot of um, young clients, uh, boys and girls. I also have my own core confidence course that I developed. So I take um, some clients through lessons on Skype. Um, to develop confidence. Um, 
And I've found that to be one of my passions. I really like working with people in, a, in an intimate setting, one-on-one, on the field, off the field. I also do a lot of speaking engagements. Um, I will guest coach for teams, um, all sorts of things. And you know, I try to stay really active. I try to stay really involved in the community so people know how to reach me. Um, and honestly, you know, people write to me all the time and it's, it's very nice when they say, I just, I just want to hang out with you. So I'm trying to figure out ways to really get myself out there even more where I could spend time with um, different individuals, with different fans, um, of all ages, ethnicities, um, genders, and just make myself readily available, um, you know, to share my passion for the game and really my passion for, for life. So I think to answer your question, it's just a lot of different things. It's coaching, mentoring, yeah. um, speaking. My, every week and every day of my week is different. So it's it's fun. I mean, you have to have a pretty flexible attitude about it. You have to realize that uh, things are going to be inconsistent. You're going to have a lot of different things thrown your way. But I think you, you learn, you know, as a professional athlete that nothing is guaranteed. And especially as a female professional athlete and a women's soccer player that, you know, you could lose your job tomorrow. The league has folded already twice and we're very optimistic about this current league, but you, you adapt and you morph, you move, you live out of a bag and you just kind of, just kind of keep going and you keep moving forward and um, just figuring it out as you go. The stadium is like way out there, right? I mean, like, so like here in DC, you guys are up in Maryland, which well, any DC is like as soon as it starts, as soon as you get past Rockville, it's like that's that's ages. It's like it'll take me forever to get up there. How different do you think the fan base and the excitement behind any professional team in the league, but specifically like the Spirit is the example here? If you were playing at say RFK Stadium or any other local arena. Yeah, I think it, it definitely morphs the fan base. Uh, you get a lot more families out in Germantown. You know, Germantown is quite far outside of the city, but we've really built um, we've built an amazing atmosphere there. The last half of the season, we had complete sellouts, and it is it's electric. To be quite honest, Tim, like the fan base is incredible, and it's far to come. I, I realize that, but if anyone who puts forth the effort and they get there, they see why it's such a special place. The field is immaculate. It's like a carpet of grass. Um, the stands are the appropriate size. I think if we played at RFK, RFK, excuse me, it, we would be completely dwarfed. There wouldn't be enough people to fill the stands. And I think we've learned from our um, past leagues that haven't succeeded that we have to kind of set our sights small and then grow from there. And I think Germantown is the is the perfect place for us at the moment. Um, when that place is full and the fans are cheering, it is such an amazing atmosphere. And I don't know where else we could find that. And we feel we built a really great relationship with the Germantown Soccerplex. They have fields, um, you know, 20, 25 fields that we can train on. The locker rooms are great. The stadium field is probably one of the best in the league. So although I would love to be in the city and playing, you know, where DC United plays, I, it's not realistic for us. And from a business standpoint, from budgeting and for the future, I think this is the smartest decision uh, that's, that has been made. And we just have to hope the fans will will come once and then they'll they'll see the product that we're putting out in the field and they'll want to come back again and again. Yeah, absolutely. By the way, you just completely sold me <laughs> on going to a game. Like I, <laughs> I'm putting the entire season on my schedule now. <laughs> um 
you talked about in your TEDx talk, you talked about the difference between performing on the pitch, performing in other venues, how people expect that because you can perform in this electric environment on the pitch that you can sort of do it sort of anywhere. And you said that you, you know, you're very involved in like public speaking and, and whatnot. How, how, how have you had to learn how to be, how to perform in those different venues after this expectation that, oh, she's, she's out there all the time doing this, so she'll be a natural? Uh, it's definitely been a, it's, there's a learning curve to it, I think. Um, each time now that I speak it, I get more comfortable. Um, I'll be doing a speech out in Oregon in March in front of 450 people, and I don't think I've ever spoke in front of nearly that many people, so I'm sure I'll be nervous. But I think the way that I look at it is you turn the nerves into excitement. It's excitement to, for an opportunity for you to show how much you care about something, um, how passionate you are about a certain subject, and, you know, hopefully, how you know intelligent you are and you're multidimensional. I I don't want anyone to believe that we're all just athletes. I think um, we're multidimensional and we encompass a lot of different things. And it's every opportunity I get to show that is an exciting opportunity for me. Uh, I worked in commercial real estate for a few years. I have a degree in business and math, and I really like to uh, you know work in a lot of different arenas. And I think as a professional athlete, one of the greatest things that you that you learn is to fail and to fall down and to get back up again so rejection for me it, I'm so used to it and it sounds sad but um, <laughs> throughout my career I've, I've been hurt I've been cut uh, I've been put on the bench and so you just you learn that it, it builds your character and you learn to deal with adversity and challenges and there's a lot of times in a lot of professions where you don't learn it in the same way you do as an athlete and I feel quite resilient now and um, not that I'm invincible, and uh, of course not, but at the same time, I'm able to face a lot of awkward and difficult situations because it happens every day of my life. <laughs> yeah. The first interaction that we had on Twitter was about your night out dancing and how you should, how you need to track those with using your Fitbit. Uh, the first question I have is, which Fitbit are you using? Because I'm in the market for one, and I need a recommendation. Okay, well, I have the Fitbit Flex. I think it's the the most economical of the group. Um, it was actually a gift from one of the one of my teammates on the Spirit, who's now she's in the Naval Academy, is now in um, TBS with the Marines. So she gave it to me for my birthday, and I, I say that because clearly I'm trying to track my dance steps. I don't need the most advanced Fitbit, but <laughs> I, my guess is that that's not why you want a Fitbit is to do, track your dance steps. So. I think it'd be cool. So my Fitbit, you cannot see the actual progress on your wrist. You have to, you know, download it to the application. Sure. I would recommend for someone like you, probably one where you can press the button on the actual Fitbit and see the numbers, you know, see your heart rate, whatever. It's tracking your steps, your mileage. Um, but yeah, so I I really enjoy the Fitbit, but it's mostly for Friday and Saturday nights when I'm when I'm crushing that dance floor. Yeah, so the next question is, where, you know, we're in the Washington, D.C. area. Where are you going out dancing? Uh, well, I go to a lot of um, gay clubs. So this Friday night, I'm going to go to Ziba because my good friend is DJing a party at Ziba Bar. But Town is also a great two-level dance club, um, always good music. You, ha- you know, you have to be, uh, you always have to know what the music's going to be like because that's, that's going to make or break the party, in my opinion. Sure, sure. So, you know, Town is always a good time. and. Um, actually last weekend, um, I was out with some of my friends in, in DC. I can't remember the name of the place, but, um, a lot of hip hop music. So we try to switch it up, you know, between electronic house, hip hop, 
um, all of those. You know, it g- gives you energy, and it's always a good time. Yeah, absolutely. So you, um, one of the more interesting things that I read uh, about you as I was doing research was uh, back when, uh, about a year ago during an interview, uh, you're talking about the impact that uh, your sexuality has had on the on your fans and your openness about it, in particular when you mentioned that when, when people say thank you for being who you are, it has a much more profound impact than uh, simply good game. How does that profound impact uh, of that sentiment then affect your ability to influence others? Yeah, it's a great question. Uh, I have been, I think I've been so lucky to be able to play for as long as I have. And this season especially, I I just could not believe the platform we have to impact another human being and to see the fans' reaction to me when I come off the field, um, to see their handshaking when they give me a pen, to see them running over to me and telling me they want their own Joe Hawk. Uh, they make me signs. They give me, <laughs> they give me Skittles. And it's just there were moments where I would, I would go home after a game and I would, be, I would be completely overwhelmed with emotion from the way the fans have treated me. And um, I try to do you know, a really good job of reaching out and staying involved and, and making them really feel like they're a part of my life because that's honestly how I feel. I don't feel like I'm just an athlete out on the field kicking a soccer ball. I think that really trivializes it. I believe that I'm a part of something bigger and I'm a part of this community that can, can literally change lives. And I receive letters, you know, on a you know, biweekly basis about what this team, uh, has done for them and how it's taken them through some very difficult times in their life. And for me, that's, that's the most important thing of what I do. It's, it's the ability to affect another human being. And that, that power of human connection, and I've said it a lot over Twitter this past season, and, it's, and it's, I say it because I, I, I really mean it, and I've, I've really tried to, to nurture those relationships with the fans and, and make them feel like they're involved, and it's not just they're watching me. They're actually a part of it, and we wouldn't, we wouldn't be the Washington spirit without them. We wouldn't be the NWSL without their participation, without their passion and their love and their desire because I think when you watch women's soccer, you know, it's, we're very accessible to the fans. You know, you get to meet me after the game. I'll talk to you. We'll have conversations. And hopefully I'll, I'll, I come across as I'm down to earth because I'm, I'm just like everybody else. I just kick a soccer ball in the field. And, you know, I want to hear their stories. And I want them to feel like they're a part of, of this incredible journey that I feel like I'm on in my career. And I know that our organization is, is so grateful for their participation and to have them out um, in the stands and cheering us on. And when a fan would say to me, you know, thank you for, for being you, I think that transcends sport. I think, you know, at the end of the day, uh, you know, people will forget what you say and people forget what you do, but they'll never forget how you make them feel. And that's, that's the most important part of this, of being a professional athlete to me. And clearly I, I take very seriously what I do on the field. I will, I will work until, you know, I want to die. And, um, but, you know, having that fan interaction is, is something that I'm extremely passionate about. Absolutely. And, you know, I think 
I think we we like to think that society slowly progresses with each generation, but I I believe that our generation has seen a huge evolution in gay rights and at least acceptance, the push for the acceptance. And I've never really got a chance to ask anybody this, so you're the one who who gets to, to field the question. You know, how did you, how would your earlier self feel about the progress that has been made you know up to this point do you think there'd be a surprise that we're where we are or shocked that we're still as resistant as we are socially i think i think the progression has been uh has been admirable i think that you know we're clearly there's we're not everywhere we need to be but i've seen just from my own career uh some significant progress in in that field. I think it was last year I did a BBC radio interview about um, gay athletes and we're talking about you know, male athletes coming out, which is, I think, at this moment, you know, a much bigger deal than female athletes coming out. And, you know, when it comes to Michael Sam and um, I was lucky enough to do the People magazine interview and the spread uh, when Michael Sam came out and it was an article about um, gay professional athletes and I don't think we would have seen that many years ago. So I think we're taking the necessary steps. I, you know, I still think there's a lot of barriers, especially in, in um, men's sports. But I feel as if in, in female sports, those barriers are being broken down quite, you know, much much easier. And I feel extremely comfortable um, for who I am. I don't ever feel like um, I'm being harassed or discriminated against. I think people accept me for who I am, and they love me for who I am. And you know, that alone feels that feels great to me. Yeah, very cool. I saw your Imagination Tuesday videos, and I, I'm going to enlighten me on this idea, uh, on Imagination Tuesday. Is this, uh, is this a weekly thing? Is this a new development? What, what, what inspired Imagination yeah, Tuesday? Yeah, this is awesome, because this is the first time I'm ever speaking about it in a public forum, um, in an interview type of, type of way. It, it's actually it's quite new. So I don't have cable. I don't really watch television. So it happened that one Tuesday night, uh, I had some free time and I thought to myself and I have my best friend is my roommate. I said, why don't we draw some, some pictures? So we got down on, on the floor. We have a lot of permanent markers and computer paper and we just started drawing pictures. And, you know, it's, it was just expressing ourselves, trying to be creative. Anything that came to our mind, we just, we just drew it. And then I put it up on Twitter and I said, imagination Tuesday. And ever since then it's really taken off. And I think, uh, now I, I call it, it's a lifestyle instead of just a day. And it's just a lifestyle of self-expression. You know, what I've talked to you about this whole interview is just um, investing in that moment and being in the moment, being creative and uh, being passionate and really just expressing yourself. So it's, it's snowballed since then. And more and more people have gotten involved. Uh, the next Tuesday I did it again. And so everyone you know, on Twitter is doing their own Imagination Tuesday wherever they are, sending in their pictures to me. And so I can put together a little collage of what people have created. And, you know, every week I've tried to change up kind of the medium of how I've expressed myself. So the first time I did some drawings, next time I created this uh, Jurassic Park with all these dinosaur figures. And, you know, now I'm starting to create videos. I did, we did a karaoke. We did a karaoke battle with some fans in Michigan. So we went back and forth. That was, that was a lot of fun. Um, I think we won, of course. Uh, and then, you know, last Tuesday, I did the obstacle course um, in the jungle gym. So I really just tried to be extremely creative and in, in thinking of, of what I could do this week. And I get so excited about it now because there's so many participants and people are um, get equally excited. And I think that excitement is contagious. So 
um, it's really taken off and uh, I'm already thinking about what I'm going to do for this this coming Tuesday. But you know, to even go beyond that, I think this is um, kind of a path that I would like my career to go is potentially creating this amazing community around Imagination Tuesday and around self-expression. And I've seen what you know the power of human connection can do for the fans in the NWSL and also in my own life. And I, you know, I really want to create this community where people feel safe and they belong and they can express themselves um, in this environment. So I'd like to see if I could even get some workshops together where people come together for t- on Imagination Tuesday and we all, you know, sit around and, and create things as a group or we share materials and we all create different things and, and see what we can come up with or go on adventures or explorations and trips and um, so this is this is something that I'm pretty pumped about, and I'm putting a lot of thought into. I like that. I'm I I look forward to uh, stretching my imagination on Tuesday <laughs> and sharing it with the Twitterverse. I cannot wait. So we we're we're at the we're at the the culmination of uh, of this interview, and Joanna, you I mean you've just been nailing every bit of this discussion. So I know that you will not fail us in the last few questions that uh, that show up week to week. So the first, what challenges are you facing right now in your life, either personally or professionally, and what are you doing to better overcome them? Uh, it's a great question, and I think personally, what's challenging me now is that you know my season's over, and I have a tendency, I'm sure any professional athlete would, when their season is over, to feel a bit lost. You lose your schedule, you lose that discipline that the team enforces upon you. And so now it's, you know, my life is whatever I create it to be. Every single day I get to create something new. And that in itself is is beautiful, but at the same time it's challenging because I need a lot of self-motivation, discipline to get up every day, work out, um, create an environment where I'm getting things done. I'm progressing still as a human being, as a person, as a professional. So... You know, my current challenge is, you know, where do I, where do I play now? Um, who do I play with? Can I still get the same type of training? I've been, able to, I've been able to find that. I've found a great group of friends that I play pickup with every single morning. I've joined two co-ed teams at night. I actually have a game tonight at 8 o'clock. Um, and then also, too, how do I progress um, from a business standpoint and uh, as a person? So I have this huge whiteboard on my wall where I write down my to-do list for the day, um, make sure I, I get things done, and also – not just that day, but from a, a long, a long-term standpoint, am I, you know, the goals that I have as an individual, am I taking steps to reach those goals? And you know, that's my biggest challenge now is to keep progressing each and every day, although I don't have the team guiding me in that direction. Yeah. Lastly, what ultimately inspires you? What is getting you up every morning? What is the fuel for your warrior? I think I touched upon it in this interview, but I. Honestly, I, I love my life. I love what I get to do. The platform that I have to make an impact, to reach people, um, it's, it's so profound. And I never, ever thought I would have this type of platform. And each and every day I wake up, I'm so grateful that this is the life that I get to lead. I get to be me all day long. And I think, God, who, who really gets to do that? You know, and, um, and not in a narcissistic type of way, just in a way that, People, people enjoy me for me, and um, and I get to do what I love. I get to go outside and chase the soccer ball, 
and play and run and jump. And it's, I know, I know it sounds like quite cliche, but honestly, I, I just love my life. And so every day I get to wake up, I feel like it's a gift. Every moment that's given to me is a gift and I don't ever want to take it for granted. I don't want to waste it. And I hope that people can see that through, uh, who I am and, and what I do and the way that I reach out. But, you know, I, w- I wake up because I just, it's just, I don't, I wouldn't know what else to do. I, I have a hard time going to sleep, to be honest, Tim. Uh, <laughs> so, I can't wait for tomorrow. Tomorrow yeah. needs to get here. I have, I have self-diagnosed overexcitement syndrome, I call it. So I get way too excited about things, and I have a tendency not to fall asleep. So for me, waking up is not the hard part. It's actually going to sleep. Wow. I, uh, I, I get, uh, I, don't, I don't have trouble sleeping. My girlfriend will tell you that <laughs> I, will, <laughs> I do not have no trouble sleeping. Uh, but I do get excited about the morning, like the the morning. And so sometimes, uh, even if there's nothing exciting going on the next day, just the fact that, oh, tomorrow I get to do another set of things that I enjoy doing yeah. will make it a little difficult for me to fall asleep right away. Another thing we have in common. Absolutely. TEDx, I, I'm, not a, I'm not very good at soccer, but I, I like playing soccer. I can kick the ball in a... There's like probably a 90-degree spectrum of where if I kick the ball, I expect it to, to lay in there. Uh, and, you know, like we mentioned, you know, being involved in a community, just trying to make a social impact. Uh, your, your t- what was your TEDx? Uh, I know I'm dragging this on a little bit. I apologize. But what was, your, what was the overall message of your TEDx talk? Because I was actually <laughs> third of the way into it and then got, got interrupted. Um, it's basically about just enjoying the ride and like we spoke about today that uh, there's a lot of challenges you have to deal with as a women's professional soccer player but those challenges are so worth it uh, when I when the fans come up to you and they want your autograph and your photo uh, that's that's still to me it, it just it puts the biggest smile on my face so although I've lived in you know 15 different cities played for 11 different teams the league has folded twice it's you know, it's been such a roller coaster ride, but where I find myself now, I look back and I think I wouldn't want it any other way. So that's kind of what my message was: is that nothing is ever perfect, but I think you can make it your own perfect. Yeah, very cool. So we're gonna have we'll have the link to the the TEDx talk in the show notes as, as well as your social media profiles and, and whatnot. Joanna, it's been truly a pleasure talking to you. This has been one of my favorite interviews that I've ever done, just with the the topics that we touched on and how well you're able to elaborate and how, and how deep you're able to go. And I hope we get the opportunity to talk again soon. Yeah, I hope we can too, Tim. Thanks so much for allowing me to be on the show. Thank you for taking the time to listen. Be sure to head over to LockAndLoadJava.com using promo code FuelForWarriors for a discount on your purchase. Also head over to LostInEntertainment.com for more of my programming. Stay strong and stay motivated.